Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It is Friday, May 4th, and you are listening to a very hot and sweaty Waypoint Radio, (laughs) episode 153. I know what you're thinking. There have been like seven podcasts in your feed between (laughs) the last numbered episode and this one. Well... It's been a minute, and so we want to do a wrap back around and, and make sure we have a real a real episode. Joining me today, Danielle Riendo. Hi, it's really hot, but it's better than winter. Okay, well, I'm glad you're on brand. Patrick Klepek. <laughs> so the other one's fake podcasts? Fake podcasts! Fake podcasts. <laughs> that doesn't Hashtag quite roll fake... off the tongue nearly as well. No, fake pods, maybe? Fake maybe pods. That's all yeah, right. fake, fake pods. Cast. Fake pods. Fake pods. Fake pods. Uh, you, you know, not fake, but like we did all those bonus pods. We, we did a lot of article reads. We've done a lot of, we did an interview. We did some other stuff in there, review of a spoiler cast. Lots of bonus stuff. Lots of uh, kind of, uh, I like to think of it as alternative podcasting, you know? Um, and Old we haven't pod. done like a alt pod. And, and because of the way things shook out, we haven't done, we've done lots of like super focused, uh, like here's a talk about this one game. Here's a talk about this one issue. Here's an interview. And not much in terms of just like, hey, let's catch up and, and how we've been playing. So while Norm, how we've been playing, how we've been playing, how we playing. Oh, <laughs> how we playing. Welcome to the new, welcome to the new segment on Waypoint Radio called How We Playing. Uh, <laughs> We haven't done the kind of just like catch up Monday style episode. So even though it's Friday, Danielle has graciously offered me the host chair today to do <laughs> my traditional Monday pod. Um, and the most important thing is it's too hot in New York City. Uh, and I hope that the weather wizard shows up. Is and it hot or humid? Both. It's both. It's mm. both. New York just gets both. We don't really get that dry heat ever. Um, not really. We uh, had, it, it, was is, very, it was very humid earlier this week. And then we had 36 hours of like intense storms. Which broke, right. broke the humidity, and now it's just, like, pleasant and warm. There's a chance it'll storm later tonight, and then it looks like it's definitely going to storm on Sunday, which will help. Um, but it was, like, 90 degrees yesterday. Uh, yeah. And, like, that's a hard swing from where we were before. It was, like, 44 a couple of days ago, and yep. like, before the 90. So it's yep. it's been a lot. And it'll be in the 40s again all by, like, Monday or Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to even out around the 60s, which is great. 60, 70. I'll live that all day. You know, I think that we – Danielle, you and I can find a happy medium. We can find – we can meet in the center, you know. That's Um, good running weather. Tell me more. Weather centrism (laughs) is is what I'm here to advocate. I I think most people – I think most people are for weather centrism, which is, like, 72. Yeah. 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 You know, see, the thing – I do like seasons. I do – I hate – being hot, I hate it because there's a point at which I can't get cooler. Do you know what I mean? Like I think I've been pool. to like, yeah, but even then it can be hot. I've been in hot pools before. Called, those, like, are called, those are called spas. <laughs> oh, hot tubs. Hot tubs. You know hot what I mean? Though? Like there's a point at which you can't get cooler. 
by taking more clothes off or mm. by you know what I mean? Like, oh, it is still fucking stifling or the humidity is still bad. Whereas for me in the winter, I can just keep piling on covers, baby. I can just get under another comforter. I can put on more pajamas. I put on extra long underwear. Not just regular long underwear. How many pajamas here, Austin? It gets in. It gets in the cracks. There's there's like no actual foolproof for cold. Like yeah. it, it gets – unless you have like a sealed yeah. space suit. Like it gets in. Right. That's in. what I – yeah, extra long PJs. That's what I wear, a sealed space suit. <laughs> I get, but but in any case, I, I'm happy to meet you in the middle here, uh, Danielle, and say yeah. nice 67, 70 degree, yeah. even 75 degree day. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I also like the fall a lot. I really like the seasons, and so it's it's. I, I could never move to a place where it is just 70 degrees every day. I don't think. I think I I like you the think changes that, too and much. And then you do get over it. <laughs> oh, okay. As someone that did, as someone that did this life, uh, right? The Midwest to the West Coast to back to the Midwest, like. You do. I mean, what you end up doing is what I did is like you end up being the person who used to go to Walmart and be like, who the hell buys a CD with thunderstorm noises on it? (laughs) And then you do and you buy one of those and listen to it uh, when it's like the 800th day in a row where it's like beautiful in San Francisco. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Love the rain too much. I really do. I'd, I'd end up doing the same thing. Um, so besides uh, the, the trying to tackle the weather and figure out like what clothes to wear on any specific day because it's constantly trying to play tricks on us, what have uh, what have y'all been up to? What have you been playing? Uh, well, I, I know Patrick and I have both played uh, a game I actually reviewed today, and it Ooh. has to do with weather and extreme weather. It sure does. Like it's actually all about a beautiful tropical place that has been Ooh. frozen over. By wow, so this is like literally, this is the fight, the fight that we're having. <laughs> exactly. What game and is you, this? You have to fight to get your beautiful weather back. It's called Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. And uh, I definitely want to hear some of Patrick's thoughts because I think my thoughts on the subject are well documented. Uh, <laughs> sort of other than the fact, I guess if, if you hadn't heard, I think it's a fantastic game. I think it's a really wonderful 2D platformer that uh, does come from a series that people don't necessarily have you know, the highest respect for. But I think the two games that Retro Studios have made, which is Donkey Kong Country Returns and this, and especially this, are incredibly well-designed 2D platformers that sort of take the spirit of the older games, but with mm. really genuinely, I think, incredible level design and really, really good iterative design, which means, you know, you're introduced to an element early on in a level and constantly, constantly throughout a level, it sort of adds to that element, it sort of iterates on it, it twists on it, and it makes it more exciting, more challenging, uh, more fun as it kind of goes. I think, or I'm just going to put this out here, as someone who doesn't necessarily, I haven't played these games, so I can't, I, I played the original Donkey Kong Country on the SNES. Good game. I haven't played, I, I believe It is a you. good game. I yeah. didn't like it. Uh, and what I'll say is, as a loud person who speaks a lot, uh, I think there are lots of, I think there are a handful of loud people like me who do not like the Donkey Kong Country or Donkey Kong Country Returns or Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze, but that those games have an audience and are pretty well respected, right? Like, they reviewed well. Both of those got, like, in the and 80s the, and overall. The Donkey Kong Country games were fucking huge at the time. Like, yeah, there were, like, three of them. Like, those those games came uh, at the tail end of, like, the SNES when the N64 was, like, being perpetually delayed into oblivion when it was the Ultra 64, and the PlayStation had already arrived, I believe, by the time Donkey Kong Country um, hit shelves. It was, like, very close. Like, the overlap is, like, you think there was the jump from 2D to 3D, and like actually, like the overlap was a lot longer than you think. And right. I, yeah, I and especially the music, like the original Donkey Kong Country. Like I remember in uh, in elementary school, 
I like I would be the person who like uh, in our art class you could bring in a CD for the class to oh, listen wow. to, and yeah. I brought in the Donkey Kong Country soundtrack. People were like, "This is like surprisingly relaxing and good." And uh, people were asking what it was at the end of class, like it's the soundtrack to a video game. <laughs> Yeah, they, so I mean, I have a question. They were less Which interested is... when they found out. Yeah, <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense. And the music was incredible in those games. And I think those games are fantastic as the well. First it's, two, it's more... The first two, the third one is not is not was long in the tooth. I don't know. I don't know if I call it bad, but uh, the, the, by, by the third one, I was I was ready to move on. Yeah, I mean, I I love the third one. I'll defend it, but it's it's okay. Like I understand. I get I'm... it. I have a question, uh, but, which is yeah, like, I, I have such an outsider's perspective here. People know, or probably know, that I'm not like the the biggest uh, platformer fan, and and that's on that's a me thing. Not a, I don't think that platformers are bad as a genre or something. I'm just it's in line with a lot of the conversation we just had with Fortnite in terms of like what appeals to me about games and blah blah yeah. blah. But I I am someone who grew up playing lots of 2D platformers. Like I grew up playing all the Mario games in 2D, playing them on Game Boy, playing them on the the NES on the, the SNES, playing all of the 2D Sonic games except for like 30 the 32X Ooh. Knuckles one. Um playing, <laughs> you know, renting um Bubsy and renting Yay! Uh, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> uh, and renting other, you know, other 2D platformers of the Arrow the Acrobat, stuff like that. Okay. Um, and I'm curious, like, what makes the Donkey Kong Country series, both from its original SNES days um, and, and where it is now with Returns and Tropical Freeze, like, what makes it distinct? Is it more of a, in the, in the spectrum between Mario and Sonic, where is it? <laughs> What's distinct about it? Or does that spectrum not even make sense uh, in terms of kind of conditioning or or, or categorizing platformers? It does, uh, because I think like the Mario games are uh, very, very different in style, right? The way your jump is very, very precise. It's much more about very precise movement, whereas the Donkey Kong Country games on the SNES were less precise. They were much more about momentum and kind of going fast, not Sonic fast. This is a very important distinction. There's a very different sort of momentum between Sonic spinning around and just kind of blazing through things and the way Donkey Kong or Diddy Kong or Dixie Kong move, which is fast, but with a little bit more weight and sort of uh, humph, not humph, what am I trying to say? A little little bit more humph. Humph is what I'm trying to say. Happy humph day. Happy Humph Day with Donkey Kong. It's your favorite day. Uh, I'm going to start calling him Donkey Humph. Donkey Humph, yeah. Finally, I'll get him uh, impeached. Now, well, now you're going to like the games because now it's Donkey Humph and it's all different and it's it's better. So, so when you say like it's is it like in other words like a little bit more feeling of not just momentum but like weight in the yes. movement like whereas like Sonic can be a little floaty sometimes Yeah Sonic is just fast but he has the weight of like a little flea or something like Donkey Kong feels like a, a Why are you fucking gorilla. legging Sonic right now I love good Sonic games and there are more which than one, are, one, which one good was, Sonic Which one games. is that Two uh, is Sonic fantastic. Mania. Sonic Adventure. <laughs> Sonic Mania Sonic Adventure has its ups and downs yeah, yeah, it's it does. got a good ass fishing game it's got it. Yeah, Big the Cat is a fantastic character, <laughs> a member of the the Sega canon, and my friend. I I'm so same with what was it E two E two one hundred two whatever that uh, that's robot right. was. That's a sad story. Do you remember that story? That's a sad it's, story. It's, it's messed up. I it's did a, a guide to games on Sonic Adventure. I you love did. Sonic Adventure. So like. Like I said, more than one good Sonic game. But this is a very different type of momentum. And it also it has a lot to do with the level design, which the earlier games had like a very chaotic feel to them. Uh, 
the new games, I think, have... Okay, so I've already said the iterative design bit, right? About, right. oh, you're introduced to an element, you learn it, and then it's going to be twisted on a little bit more dangerously, like, oh, a swinging vine, and then a swinging vine over a pit, or a swinging vine over spikes, that kind of thing. That, that uh-huh. carries throughout this entire game, and I think it's really well-paced. I think the older games had a kernel of this. They were definitely more obstacle courses than they were, you know, coherent worlds. Uh, but I, I do think that Retro, it's like taking it up a notch in a lot of respects in terms of the actual design cool. itself. Yeah. Uh, well, Patrick, how has your time with it been? <laughs> well, for, for me, like the Donkey Kong Country games were defined by finding secret barrels. Like the original Donkey Kong Country games, I think um, part of what made them distinct other than like the really colorful, um, you know, like computer graphics, which were like incredible looking at the time, um, te- t- uh, uh, technically, uh, it was trying to find the secrets. It was a game in which, like, you went into a level, and what in front of you was not what you were interested in. It was, well, where is the barrel that gets me to a secret room um, and things like that. And the the country game, the, the rare ones, were just chock full of that stuff um, to the point where it was, like, a little absurd or, or often too much. <laughs> but as, a, like, a, you know, someone in elementary school who was then all the time in the world, like, that was right up my alley. Like, you couldn't have too much in a game. That wasn't right. that, was, that wasn't a thing. <laughs> um, and part of what I think Retro did was to refine that trait and actually make it more about rewarding, like, player attention to detail. And so the, the, the ones that Retro worked on still have, like, all sorts of secrets. And in some ways, I would argue, still too many. Like, playing Tropical Freeze and the, the first level has you... Uh, there are, like, multiple things you can find. There are occasional stages will have a secret path that will lead, lead you to secret worlds. Um, and then there are – you're trying to spell Kong, you know, pick up letters scattered throughout the world. And then there are these sort of, like, I don't know, Jenga pieces, the, these puzzle pieces that you're <laughs> finding. Um, and the first level has nine of them. And these these levels are, like, pretty short, you know, three, you know five to ten minutes each, like, generally speaking. Um and nine pieces is just a lot. Like, I was pretty careful on the first level, <laughs> and I couldn't find all of them, which just seemed like a little suspect. Uh, like, that sets up my radar a little bit of, like, all right, it's the first level in the game where you're supposed to probably be able to find everything to get a sense of the flow, and it was a little too much. But I would say, like, generally speaking, what I thought they've done very successfully is uh, refine that down and make the exploration part of it's a, if it's a game about momentum it means it's a little, little slower it's a little more plotting doesn't mean that you aren't making precise jumps or you know jumps that uh you know you have to think about and be be careful about but uh there's a reason to slow down there's a reason to take in the world around you because you're often rewarded for doing so whether it's uh Finding a secret cache of bananas that will give you a secret piece, um, whether it's like, oh, like if you actually just jump up over in this corner, it reveals a whole nother area, which reveals a secret barrel, which reveals a whole, no- you know, little mini game with a bunch of bananas. And I, right. the, I, I have found, uh, this was true in the first one, and, you know, I'm, well, I'm only in the, the second world of uh, Tropical Freeze, I suspect it will carry over into this one in which... Uh, the platforming, uh, which is fine and, and even good and even really good, uh, it's like the the way they embed the secrets into the world is actually some of the most satisfying uh, stuff you find in the game. But I will give them credit. There is a – like they have these items that you can use in a level. Um, they're balloons that you can uh, uh, sort of use at will. And one of them uh, like will point out hints in a level about like secrets. So if you want to go back through and find that stuff um, – you know, there are, are ways you can kind of get, get hints along the way. And, and yeah, and it's also just a really beautiful game. It's not the, uh, like the, the original Donkey Kong Country games look pretty, 
crummy now just because that was like really <laughs> I mean it was early CG like it's just like it makes sense that like that's less the fault of the art as much as like the tools they were working with um although I'm sure you'll find plenty of people that don't like the art to that game like at the time but uh I th- I think they have like you know like there are secret stages where like you like rather than a, a full world it's like it's silhouetted so it's like kind of like it's not quite black and white, but it's like very limited color palette, and it's like a different way to look at the game. And then they are keeping that in mind with how they're embedding the secrets in the world. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's a very thoughtful game, is is what I'll say. It's like, I don't, I'm not sure if you necessarily look at platformers and think thoughtful is like the first word that comes to mind, but that is definitely one of the descriptors I would use for uh, Retro's approach to the, the Donkey Kong Country games. Yes. Right. Right. Cool. Well, that is out. Is that out now? Is that, is that today? today? Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I will, I will I'll be honest, I probably still won't have, find time for it because it's been <laughs> a very busy season. Uh, but I definitely, from watching kind of the video review that should also be going up uh, either today or tomorrow, probably. Sure. Yeah, um, hopefully today. <laughs> some, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, and uh, in reading your review in this conversation, I think I have a deeper understanding of your love for the series. And I hope that, you know, the Switch, lots of people have Switches. More people have Switches than I think ha- ever had Wii U's. Yeah. So I hope some people are able to, to pick it up and, and have fun with it. Also... Yeah, my, that's my last... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Patrick. Oh, I was just going to say um, that um, when this game was announced, Nintendo <laughs> had... They sh- <laughs> just make another Metroid Prime or give Retro something else to do. Uh, mm-hmm. When this game was announced, part of the reason it got ignored was because people like just fundamentally disagreed on Nintendo's decision to assign Retro to make another Donkey Kong Country game. And I think myself included looked at like what Retro had done with the Metroid Prime series and was like, even if you don't make another Metroid Prime, that's fine. But like, you have like this, just make a. Donkey Kong Country seemed like beneath them in a way that I think contributed. To, and this is someone who platforming is their favorite genre. Like I, you know, I'm not gonna uh, scoff at a, at a really good platformer, but I even I found myself scoffing at it because I was like, oh really? Like this is what like Retro's the only other game they're gonna make this generation is another fucking Donkey Kong Country game. And I think that really was like a big response to this game that contributed to people ignoring it was. Like, Nintendo sort of ignoring what people wanted from that studio. Um, and so, I guess that's just my way of saying, like, yo, if you d- don't do this again, because I think people the people will riot if they make another Donkey Kong Country game. <laughs> right. Except yeah. me, of course. Except for you. Well, you'll riot, but, like, the way that, like, like after a sports game at, at Penn State. Yeah, I'm going to throw know? bananas everywhere. That's you know? exactly it. And turn over cars and not get into any trouble somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Who could say why? Uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm glad yeah. that you, you are, you're having, I think it's been a really cool couple of weeks in a weird way for games because I feel like a lot of us, all of us have gotten a game that is extremely our particular shit in terms of like, I don't just mean like, oh, it's a game that we love, but I mean like between God of War, Battletech, uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, uh, Frostpunk and uh, Frostpunk for Rob, too. <laughs> for Rob. Yeah, totally. Yakuza 6 just came out for, for Danica. Like, obviously, Danica's had a copy of that for a while, but we're in it. Like, we're in a, we're in a nice gift. Well, like, games are a gift, and, and they're being gifted to us, and they have been pretty, pretty cool lately. They're very yeah. much like lots of itches being scratched, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, y- y'all playing anything else? Um, uh, have, have, I know, Danielle, you dipped into Swords of Ditto? Yeah. I I dittoed a little so bit. Patrick and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and he and I both had kind of a rough time with it. Um, and I streamed it, and like the stream didn't go great because I got <laughs> caught in the same loop that I complained about here, which was this like 
needing to grind to unlock the next toy dungeon, which felt like the only way forward to prepare for the fight against the, the boss. The and fact that leveling actually means absolutely nothing. There is no right. reason to level. You come back a higher level, but all the world levels with you. So why did yeah, I bother doing all that, that in stuff the first place? Really bummed me out. And then after I finished playing, doing that stream, I got an IM from Jack DeKeat who, uh, former, not former, but like occasional Waypoint contributor, friend of mine, um, yeah. who says, uh, who's like, I'm having the best time with this game. And I'm like, why aren't you running into any of these problems? And he's like, oh, what? Are, like, I don't even care about the toy dungeons. Like, I'll, I'll get to the toy dungeons when I get to them. I'm just like going around and, and doing little side quests and finding all these little secrets. And every room has like a secret dungeon. And there was a, a post on the forums over at uh, uh, discourse.zone, our, our, our <laughs> forums, where someone kind of laid out a few things like that, too, that was like, if you try to do the main plot or like you just focus on what the game is saying you should be doing, you might not have a good time with it. And instead try to find secrets on every single stage or every single like um, yeah. um kind of map screen. And I'm curious which of those two experiences or somewhere in between again or something else entirely <laughs> have you been having with that game? Yeah, definitely more of a Jack DeKeat experience. Mm. Um, and I went in with fairly low expectations because I knew uh, that both of you kind of had, you know, some eh feelings about the game for sure. Uh, and my girlfriend the other night was just like, let's play something co-op. And mm. she had grabbed the game. So, you know, we just dived in and really had a lot of fun just messing around. Uh, that is and, also yeah. a distinction, though, right? Which is neither Patrick nor I have played that game co-op. Oh, And specifically, it's so easy to die in that yeah. game, especially if you're trying to do some of the main quest stuff that you might not be prepared for. And when yeah. you play co-op, you can revive each other, which yep. I can imagine. And we do a lot of that. <laughs> I imagine, see, and I, and I imagine every I bet, time one wow. of you died, you actually just started the game over. Uh, Like, we just revived each other. No, I know, uh, but I'm saying, like, like imagine. imagine our experience, which is not oh. co-op, and every time one of you died in your game, it's just like, oh. nah, fuck it. Like, why don't you just start from scratch and lose all your stuff? Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would suck. I could see that being an issue for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I I guess I, I didn't actually watch uh, your streams. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just, I just sort of busy. heard the, you know, the scuttlebutt that like, no, oh, this game's a little weird in the way that progression happens. And I typically am like allergic to bad progression systems in games. Like if I lose progress, I just want to crawl in a hole and die a little bit it's just like i don't know why but it's so depressing to me <sighs> um that's why dark souls can be very difficult for some people but yeah like playing it with my girlfriend has been extremely fun we've been doing a lot of little side quests even though we ran into what may have been a bug like there's a little side quest where you have to give a flask to a guy named fetty and like we found fetty but he did not want the flask he was in, like, a different place from where he was supposed to be. I don't know what's up with that. I don't know if Fetty has issues or whatever or something went wrong. But, yeah, it, we're having a lot of fun. It's really cute, uh, and that helps, I think, a lot. Uh, it's just really, really adorable. I love the graphics. Uh, I kind of love the music. I like the writing a lot, like the little diaries you get, the little – uh, in the little conversations, right? You they have talked with the about that. <laughs> you know, so like the the diaries, I didn't. I found one of them. I found one like we. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago okay, in terms of yeah. the like story coming out, uh, the kind of like meta story of the history of the island, kind of unfolding via these like tablets you find um, out of order. You just kind of find them in random order, and I, I've only found one of those so far. But I really that was like intriguing for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think it's really cool. Uh, like, I don't know. It, it feels almost uh, 
almost more costume quest than Zelda in certain ways. Although I know Zelda is kind of the, you know, somewhere between Zelda and uh, Binding of Isaac is where I've heard it sort of pitched, uh, which makes sense, certainly. But I got like a super costume quest vibe from it, like a very sort of like casual, cute, cartoony, and also very like, even even down to the mechanics like stickers. You actually had stickers in that game as well that right. gave you buffs in combat and that sort of thing. Obviously, it's not a turn-based RPG or anything like that. Just something about it really gave me it's that like vibe. The tone and, I and the love aesthetic that game. a little bit or definitely the aesthetic, cool. yeah. Cool. Yeah, very, well, very like cute and like little cartoon came to life kind of thing. I am going to try to get back into it and and give it a little shot maybe this weekend and see if I can be I a little did more that. chill. I tried to do it, Austin. Huh. Like I, oh. after your stream, I I sat down. I I was like, uh, my wife had gone to bed. She went to bed early. I had like two and a half hours to myself. I was like, I'm gonna do it. Like I want to <laughs> like this game so much, and I just banged my head at it. And just two hours later, I said, okay, like this is I'm I'm letting that you go. I'm letting you most- go frustrating feeling of like i really want to love this thing but it won't let me love it oh. i know you had it with um i think we both had it patrick with flint hook when that game came yeah. out which is like oh, i yeah. love how this looks i love it so much but i just can't get my my head to actually listen to what i to what my eyes and, and my heart <laughs> wanted to want it to do you know i think there's a bunch of games like that actually we just uh, patrick you and i just played one of those i think um let's take a quick break and then when we come back we will talk about monster prom another game we just played that i wish i could love Uh, All right, we'll be right back. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Okay, let's talk about monsters and dating them and why it should be great. <laughs> and why let's it's talk about my boyfriend, Scott, and how we're going to go away together and be very happy, and he loves football, and he is my boy. Sure. He is your boy. Actually, I saw that happen. Scott is definitely <laughs> the best character in that game. I love Scott. Uh, so, so I'm with you, I think. Um, so we played a game called Monster Prom on stream this morning. Uh, it was you, me, uh, Patrick, you and me, plus uh, Natalie and Danica. Monster Prom is a game by developer Beautiful Glitch. Uh, I don't know if they've done other stuff before. I don't, I don't know the name. I think it was a Kickstarter game. There was like a, a whole kind of Kickstarter backer page in their credits um that has an an immediately grabbing uh, aesthetic from the the kind of um kind of surf rock music to the character designs uh you're going to a monster high school you're going to spooky high uh and all of the characters are all the kind of other characters uh, are kind of stock um monster tropes right so you have like the the uh, zombie boy and you have the jock werewolf the jock werewolf, oh, exactly, and like the the um, geeky vampire, right? The geeky <laughs> hipster vampire boy, and the ghost, the kind of like party girl ghost, and uh, you know a, a gorgon, you know, with all the snake hair, and like she's like the mean girl. Um, and <laughs> on first blush, it is like such my thing. Um, it is very clearly and openly indebted to the Yog, which is one of my favorite games of all time. I did a a guide to games on the Yog uh, that you can find over on our YouTube page. Um, and and it is sort of a turn based uh, kind of adventure storytelling game, or maybe not even an adventure game. It's wrong, like point and click adventure, visual novel type thing, um, uh, where you are like 
choosing where you want to go uh, during a certain class time, right? It's like, oh, do you go to class? Do you go to the gym? Do you go to the library? Do you go to the out to the the bathrooms and kind of hang out and be a, a bad kid by the bathrooms? And you're raising your stats. You know, you're raising your boldness or your smarts or your or your um, your charm or whatever, uh, and are gaining relationship. We're moving closer and closer with these other characters. You're moving closer with Polly Geist the ghost uh, or, or <laughs> hey, whoever. That's that's Pat. We did voices. It's a very oh, good, good stream. It's a yeah. very good stream, I think. Uh, and I think the weirdest thing about the stream is you can see us slowly falling out of love with the game. Um, it was a weird situation because I booted it up to make sure we could stream it and make sure it was all going to work. And I played through a single player thing. Right, it's a four player game, but you can play by yourself. Uh, and so I played through a quick little like twenty minute game, and I was immediately like. Mm. The writing is rubbing me kind of the wrong way. Like, it's a little too edgy. Like, it's a little bit too, like, insincere. It doesn't want to take anything too seriously. It's a little too, like, a little bit too referency. A little bit too, like, I'm on the internet humor. Um, but there's something here, and the, the, the art is fantastic, and I really love the way the Yogg works, and I love that style of game and want more of those. So we went forward with the stream, and at first I think we were having a really good time. That, that seems right, right, Patrick? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, there are... Like, for the first uh, hour. Yeah, the first... I mean, there there are some lines that land really, really well. There's a character that we're introduced to uh, called Dante, who is just... Like, his writing was pretty much, like, you know, top to bottom, just, like, really just funny and... Uh, like, we were all, like, genuinely guffawing. We were cracking like, up. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, and, and, you know, part of that was how we were playing it, but, but, like, a lot of it was, like, the writing and the world and the art all colliding in a way that... Yes. Uh... uh Sometimes actually did feel sincere enough for us to like let our guard down and like get into a uh, balance between the characters we were playing and the characters that the game you know wanted us to play or was guiding us into. But I th- yeah, I think we genuinely were having a really really good time for yeah. for, for the, about the first hour. And then bit by bit, um, and I wish I wish Danica and Natalie could be on today, but they bit can't. By, uh, bit by a specific word uh, choices. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, sorry, line by line. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> line by line, it certainly became. Uh, uh, two things happened one it was just like really dedicated to not just the characters saying kind of using kind of ableist language um you know words like describing people as crazy um kind of preying on like some weird ideas around like homelessness Hmm. uh and like being able to and, and some like weird classist shit around like poor people uh and some of that comes through characters where i think it kind of makes sense that like the shitty rich mean girl is going to be a shitty rich mean girl like i get that trope but it often slipped into the narrator's voice too um where the narrator would just say like you know now you're acting crazy and it's like like please push yourself like you're as you pointed out patrick like it's one thing when you when you slip up in conversation and say a word that you know you don't want to actually say but sometimes you're grasping for something and you reach for kind of a filler word that you've learned through being in culture where we say words like crazy often st- with stu- stupid is a very common one stupid that was idiotic the, yeah and it's, totally. like, it's so easy when you spend 30 years of your life you like words just sound right and right. things just sound like the way you would express it and but there's a difference between writing and speaking especially right. when you're making especially when you're making a game that is being pitched to uh, uh, certain communities that like are like very queer dominated like that's right. like mm-hmm. like you're making a visual novel game in which like there's gender fluidity and it's like well all right 
you're dancing in this pool. Like you've got to wait as deep, you know, you got to keep going deeper. Right. And part of that surface level thing where I get to decide which boy or which girl to date. Do you know what I mean? Um, it has to go. I would like it to go a step further. It doesn't have to do anything, but when when it doesn't, I'm going to call it out for it. It it just sticks out like, uh, and it's because it wasn't just once or twice. It was like, you were getting into the double digits, like 20 plus times and using language that was not just, a bad, you know, a shitty character being shitty, and that was part of their characterization. It was, it was, it was clearly like they wanted to tell a joke or describe right. something a certain way. And it's just that's like they were using crutch words, and they're, they're crutch words because they're easy. Like I get it. Like, and, like, right. like um, but when you're doing writing, something that you have time to refine and have other people look over, like it's less excusable when it's something that was clearly looked at by a lot of people a lot of times, um, as opposed to like. You're on a podcast, and you know you're you're working to get things out of your language. I mean, that stuff's not you know we we slip on that. It's right, not like it's not, it's, not, it's not excusable as much as like it's understandable and something you work to get better at, as opposed to right. like a script that there's just there's just less of a reason to be like, oh, how did that get through? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. also you know one of the weird things here too is the whole conceit of playing uh, as monsters, right? Like monsters in high school is such a, a, a potent and long running trope. Like I think it's one of those things that's like, it's one of those reminders that a trope isn't bad. It's just that a trope is a trope and that you need to remember that tropes have history and baggage and stuff. And are you going to use them in a really good way or not? And so there's lots of TV shows and, and comic books and, and novels and uh, you know, cartoons and, and movies and so, and, and songs about being a monster in, high school right the, the the notion of like i'm growing up to become a monster is so effective often i've said this but i said on our stream that i really like a game called monster hearts which is a tabletop rpg by avery adler that is literally about uh or that is, is about monster becoming a monster being a monster as a sort of metaphor for emerging queerness and understanding who your what your identity is but even just for puberty even just for like becoming an adult like there have been so many movies where a kid you know fears becoming a monster like their parents are do you know what i mean like literally that yeah. thing uh it's a potent and useful thing but here it isn't used in that way outside of just like the uh, some of the stuff around the edges of like be your worst self <laughs> and and like the worst self thing only works if it's a little bit sincere and if you dig into the fact that like cocaine is in this game like a lot like a lot <laughs> uh, that's why i made that joke before about how there are lots of lines that cl- clue you in um because like wow. Out of the, like, it starts with, like, a one throwaway bit, and then by, like, 20 minutes later, every time we did an interaction, Coke came up, and it was just, it was a weird crutch, but also was never, like, I'm not saying that you need to make a game about how cocaine is bad or where addicts or users are, are, are people who should be uh, belittled or, or sorry, that, that they should be um, kind of used as, as villains or something like that. Or but cannon the, fodder, basically, Or cannon fodder, or, yeah, or yeah. belittled. Right. I'm not saying yeah. that you should be punching, punching anybody for, for drug use alone. Um, but I do think that there, there is something in the way this game does that's like so flippant about it that it's not – it's just like, oh, yeah, and then, of course, the, you, you're going to – Give the coach, the football coach, Coke so that he doesn't put the, you know, doesn't uh, kick the star quarterback off the team for his Coke use. And it's like, okay, like, is this going somewhere? Like, where are we going with right. this? Like, not really. It's a throwaway bit. Yeah, we never, um, like, there was no conclusion to that I story. I think if you had gone to buy the Coke, it would have, mm. it would have actually come into play, probably. Um, and, and just one of those things, it's like, there's so many moving parts 
And so many opportunities for sincerity here or there, where the characters could be being taken a little bit more seriously. Not, not all the way to like cruel intentions, you know, melodrama, <laughs> but like to Steven Universe, to, to, um, Adventure Time levels. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's the aesthetic it draws on. It very much looks like a Cartoon Network show. Like, not even an adult swim show. It looks like a Cartoon Network, like, show for kids that has a big adult audience. Or, like, a big te- late teenager, early 20s audience, you know? Yeah, can I ask, like, did it come off as, like, whoever wrote this or made this or whatever just thinks that cocaine is hilarious and that just becomes the joke that they fall back on all the time? Like, yes. Okay. It's just lazy. I don't think yeah. it's, like... Yeah. I don't think it's, like, um... Intentionally saying something about cocaine. It's just like, I, you oh, know, I think it's, this it's is a lazy joke we can use. I yeah. think it's 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 the first time you say it. What you my first read on it was like, oh my god, these fucking bougie rich monsters, right? Like who are in this this like uh, prep school for for monster kind or whatever. Uh, and there's a version of that that I think flies. It is the kind of cruel intentions joke. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, but the by the fourth one, it's like, yeah, we heard that joke before. You know, like by the fifth time that the um, mermaid princess is like talking about poor people um, and then there isn't really a way to get – this is another big one. It was like Natalie ended up on a route uh, like right away with this character who she hated and there was no way to not help this character do stuff. Um, You've played the Yogg, right, Danielle? Yes, I did. All right. so like played that game and it's good. You know how, right, yeah, so you know in the Yaw where it's like, okay, you wander into the woods and you hear the howl of a werewolf. Do you, like, stand your ground and prepare to fight, or do you cast a protection spell around you to, to, to ward all sorts of were-creatures off? You know, like, that's the basic mm-hmm, gist? Mm-hmm. So the version of that in this is like, you're having a conversation with the mermaid queen, and what she says is, like, she needs to be, she wants to become the, the prom queen, and so either uh, gather all of her forces and go to war with everybody on the, on the, <laughs> Food, you know, in the high school, or build a monument to the cruelty of her family, so everyone knows how powerful they are. There's no like, uh, no, actually, like I don't, and and you didn't. Natalie never like decided to be on that route. She just wound up on that route, and then she was stuck there for the entire game. She could not like get an event that was not about that character for the mm-hmm. most part. Uh, and so it's like stuff like that was just a bummer. And it was like, I think it's rare that you hear us like fall in and then out of love with a game uh in the period of of you know an hour and a half to two hours i still think it's a a stream worth watching with again the the content warnings around things like drug use ableist language and and some some really weird classist shit that sneaks up um but i really wish it lived up to its soundtrack and its look uh and even its basic premise i I do like monster high school as as a setting um, any other thoughts it's, on that, it's, Patrick? It's ninety percent of the way there, and then it's that ten percent that it sort of lost us, and that's that's too bad because there's so there's so much to like, and I came out of it and like, oh, I had a really good time, but I don't, I'm never gonna go back to it. And the way it soured as it went along was was a bummer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, like if you watch our stream, I think you can kind of get what you would need to get out of like what's good about that game uh, or what's interesting about it. Um, and also, it just seems like. If you want something like that, like there are other games out there that can fulfill it without having to to go down this route. Yeah, I, the other thing there that's weird, I'm like looking at screenshots and stuff now, is that like for a game that again is using this monster analogy, like all of I, I don't know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like go down the fucking rabbit hole here about all right. 
think about something like Dream Daddy, right? Which mm-hmm. I, there, Dream Daddy has its critics. Dream Daddy is one of those games that I think found a lot of mainstream crossover attention and led a lot of people to say things about the genre of visual novels that were it was an overreach because they just weren't familiar with the the genre. You know, which is which I'm not being too judgy. I hope I'm not sounding too judgy about that. People often just show up and like, oh wow, this thing is cool, and it's not like the it's not like what I thought the genre was, and therefore I'm going to hold it up as being a, an exception, even though you might not know that. It's you're so excited about the thing. You like that you kind of rely on supposition and, and assumption. Um, uh, those that game though for for everything that it's for everything that you can kind of argue against it if you wanted to does have like characters of different body types. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't just like adhere to a very strict standard of like what hotness is. Like there are some big bulky dream daddies in that game. Um, everyone in this game is just like extremely like traditional body type hotness like Mm. all of the women are like the same exact thin like body shape like you know inverted triangle situation uh like there's two there's like a thin a thin boy a buff boy and then like a like thin buff boy and that is it um and also like i'm surprised there weren't any any gender queer characters in this game that like lets you as the player pick they as a pronoun Mm. it doesn't there aren't any characters here who as far as i saw that you could that are dateable that are they them uh and again like i'm not i'm not taking points off my review yeah i'm just it's frustrating it's frustrating that that something that seems like it wants to walk that that path then kind of pulls back on these other ways or like doesn't really commit to the to the bit in some way or doesn't really what it is it's like it has the the parts it has the lego parts laid out on the table to build a really cool pirate ship or to build a really cool monster high school uh and instead it builds like it builds a monster high school that forgot to build the library they didn't you know they didn't finish the gym uh the the bit that's supposed to be the cool school crest somehow got turned into the walls of the bathroom uh and also it doesn't sound as cool as what i'm describing it looks bad also Um, this sounds like honestly the sort of thing that would be what a what a revolution for having queer characters at all in 2002 or something yes it sounds like one of those 2014 we would yeah yes yes totally totally absolutely and i'm glad that we're in i'm glad that the conditions of the marketplace so to speak have been pushed to where a game like this can relate can find some degree of success uh can get talked about um yeah uh, so you know it's it is it is uh at the very least the the context around it makes me hopeful and hopefully the devs take some notes and and go back and and make another game that's that's really good you know and i'll say as someone that uh like really only occasionally dips their toes into these types of games uh if you looked at this from like oh like you know maybe react like me we're like oh these are kind of interesting but they're often curiosities because they're not sort of like the typical thing that you end up playing like i found dream daddy to be like a much more satisfying arc um uh both from like the role playing that you could do as like the actual player and like right. the options you have in front of you for where the story can go it's Jimmy daddy is like a much more expressive game that also is like deeply funny um and and interesting so it's like have you found this and like we're bummed at like what it um not that dream daddy doesn't have his critics or, or things that people didn't like about it but if you looked at this and were like ah damn like i wish like i was curious about this but you didn't play dream daddy like i would point you to that game hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I think that that's, that's more than fair. Um, all right. Uh, one more, one more thing I want to ask you about, Patrick, which yeah. is last night I saw a tweet from you. You did. That said that you finally did it. You got your first into the breach win. Yeah. I welcome did. To the, yeah. Welcome to the club. Also, I saw a tweet from Danielle this weekend that said that you got a shirt. You got an into the breach shirt. And from I'm very yes, jealous. Yeah, I'm wearing it right now. 
wearing an Into the Breach t-shirt. It's Riff Walkers, and it's great. Did you wear that yesterday? I did. It's, <laughs> you know. Damn. I'm not judging. I'm, I'm taking, just like, two shirt. showers a day for oh. the last couple of days, so I feel like I'm allowed to wear this shirt two days in a row. It's <laughs> a right, double just, shower day. So I'm just saying, okay. like, Into the Breach has multiple timelines, and I was in my head. I was like, I could have sworn she said she wore that shirt yesterday, <laughs> too. It's correct. You were wrong. Yeah, I uh, I d- d- fell off into the breach not because I didn't like it or want to play more, but because just other things came up um, after that game came out in what February, end of February. Yeah, February I think is right. Um, I think it was Far Cry, honestly, that came along um, that that kind of uh, punted me off that. And then uh, you know I've been kind of circling both Frostpunk and BattleTech, and I installed both of them, and I was like, can I kind of settled on Frostpunk being the game that I think was like a little more approachable and something like different than what I have played. Like I don't really play like City Builders, like that's not like a fan. But Frostpunk, from what people had mentioned, seemed like oh, that's like approachable um, uh, for for someone that's not super sort of like versed in that type of game. But I was like ah, I can't do that without at least finishing Into the Breach once, right? Like that doesn't <laughs> right. feel good. Uh, so and I was like, and, and I made it to the final island, Into the Breach, like. Uh, like it was, I got far enough to be like, oh, I could do this. Like I just didn't. Uh-huh. Um, and so I went and loaded it up and I had a save, like, you know, I, I, a, a, a run that was already had been going from whatever back in March. And I was like, ah, fuck. All right. Well, and I don't even remember that much about this game. I was like, well, I'll just pick this up and then I can just approach it as it doesn't matter. Like this run right. means nothing because I don't remember what I was doing, what my like meta strategy was. Uh, and so we'll just do this to get familiar with the mechanics and then I'll start another run and we'll see how it goes. Well, damn, I just ran yeah. in. I just went into this game and just started fucking wrecking fools. Now, specifically, I was using I don't know what the team was. I'm sure Austin and Danielle, you can inform them. It's one of the jets where you smoke as a lot of your uh, uh how you're covering it's the like map. that with the with the plane that one yeah there's the and plane. the artillery uh that is the oh my god it's not the flaming behemoths no the flaming behemoths have a have actual fire, fire rust the rusting hulks yes the yes. rusting hulks yes. and yes. so like the yeah the three units there's yeah you're set up with like a this jet that can move a lot across the map and then can also its primary means of attack is like laying these i love uh, that jet so laying much. these so yeah good. laying these smoke tiles that can that also cause damage uh, over time if you're on top yep. of it and there's a um a rocket uh, sort of like artillery uh, unit that does a lot of long distance stuff. And then there's this kind of spider looking um, creature that is mostly for just pushing units around. Um, and I just, yeah, I had like three, I had like, I basically like did the second island and didn't get touched like more, like like once or twice. And I was like, fuck. And I managed to get these like really good upgrades, like specifically the, the upgrade that put the run over the top and then it just made it so that the enemies really couldn't do anything to me was um, the one where as the, I think it's, I, I'm not sure it's for any of the units or it was just the the spider creature, but it was the one where um, for a kind of like a, in a uh, kind of cross formation over five squares, anywhere on the map, once per round, you can just place down a bunch of uh, yes. cloud. Yes, that's um, and, such a good upgrade for mm-hmm. that team. And it's and it, it the reason it changes everything is because often what happens as a as a match starts to go wrong is that like you get surrounded, you have like them uh, attacking like f- you know five different buildings, and you just don't have enough to like dissuade them. And that's when you have to start relying on like you know rolling of the dice or hopefully if you have enough power um, in reserve um, to take a couple of hits. Um, well, what, like the strategy then becomes like actually is like 
crunching people into a corner. Because also mm-hmm. what the, the cloud does um, specifically is that it doesn't just um, create a cloud that attacks the unit. It prevents them from attacking. Right. And it disables them completely for that and, round. And the, and the cloud doesn't go away. It's just a permanent <laughs> yeah. part of the map. And so, like, you can start to imagine, like, when you upgrade the jet, you can uh, – the, the initial attack is just uh, creating uh, one – uh, you can only jump one unit and place down a cloud. Well, then you can upgrade that so it can jump two units. And so anyway, like, long story short, you end up being able to just, like, literally create a whole cloud over the map and just control territory in a way that you the enemy just doesn't have a lot of fucking options. Yep. Um, again, also, and the last upgrade I got for my jet was um, there's one that you can uh, – it's, like, he has, like, wind turbines – and the Ooh. wind turbines allow you to shift everyone on the map, the entire map, every unit, over one tile, oh, north, wow. south, east, or west. <laughs> you can only use it uh, – there is an upgrade that you can use it infinite uh, number of times. Um, I had just use it once. But it basically meant like in a situation where I had my back against the wall, I could just shift every unit – over one, like uh, includes your units too, um, and kind of reset the board. So anyway, wow. I I kind of uh, ran the table and then got to the final map where, like, with two turns left, like they, there was just actually nothing they could do. Like I could have actually just done nothing, let my character. And you still would have made, and it. I still would have won. <laughs> nice, um, nice. That's and a it good was really feeling. satisfying. Like it was, yeah. it was a nice arc to finish. Like I like, I want to go back to that game. I have suspicion that I'm probably just going to set it aside and wait for the inevitable. Switch version of that game, <laughs> oh, um, man. which may you know maybe a year and a half from now that may be a long ways off. They've said they're interested in other things, but you know it's going to take time. Um, but now I feel like I had like a very satisfying arc with that game where I like wrapped my head around it. I found a team I was comfortable with, like got to the end and saw a victory. And yeah, into the breach. Uh, I, I come to it as someone that doesn't play a lot of strategy games. Really does not consider them to be good at them, like right. like tactics and strategy and thinking several moves ahead is just not like it's just not something that clicks for me very well. Um, and uh, I but I thoroughly enjoyed Into the Breach. So uh, that was the, the the story of my victory. And I'm, I'm excited <laughs> to go play Frostpunk. Um, nice because oh, I yeah. heard from other folks that I also want to sit down with that this weekend. Maybe yeah. Yeah, I, I like the idea of a game so that many is, games. You're, you're, you're meant yeah. to fail. Um, totally. Oh, and totally. Far Cry 5, and that ending fucking sucks, and I, I don't think I liked that game at all. It ain't great. It's, it's, uh, that I'm ending... not even sure it's good, but I will say <sighs> the, was, the most fun I had with it uh, was when you and I played together on stream. I think, similar to Swords of Ditto, my guess is for Far Cry 5 is like a fundamentally different game in co-op. Because in co-op, you, yeah. Um, when you have like someone coming over in the sky in a plane or just, I don't know, like I, when I would think of it, when I was playing the game, when I would look at the people who were the AI fighting with me, if that was another person, I could just imagine it being a more interesting game. Cause the story doesn't do any, the story is bad. It's really, really bad. It yeah. doesn't work as politics. It doesn't work as just, as just storytelling. Fluff, as just yeah. regular, as just like in the realm of American freedom fighter stories or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's not even Red Dawn, you know? Like, yeah, yeah the, it's the, not, ending, the, the endings, neither of them, the good or bad ending, I don't, I don't feel are earned or no, like, not interesting conclusions to the story. And I didn't like the war. Like, I think it's probably like the prettiest world they've built for a Far Cry game, but I didn't like the way the systems interacted at 
all at all. Yeah, I didn't it doesn't like produce. The fact, it doesn't produce those moments that you want. From I, get, a Far I, get, Cry I, got, game. I would get them every once in a while and be like, "Oh, like I can see it. Like the game yep. I want is over there." Yep. And I, I wonder, and that's what made me wonder if the co-op experience would then by virtue of just more things colliding, would produce those moments Yeah, more so I often. played, like, another four or five hours, I think, in co-op than you did. I played I played with somebody else before, the like, ahead of the review, so I could get that experience. And it does a little bit. It does a little bit, but only really if you are role-playing a little bit, mm. um, where, like... If you were like, I'm going to be the sniper and I'm going to climb tall towers and you're going to be the person with the shotgun who gets into close fights. But when you're both just like... I'm going to play to win, and that means having a sniper rifle and also having a shotgun and also having a you know, mid-range weapon and also having a silenced weapon. Like You just kind of clear it out really quickly, and there isn't much that can stand in your way, and that's just like a little too clean-cut, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, ah, I don't know. It's still more fun. You can still get into more hijinks. I wish the game was like not more difficult, but more dynamic um and and less and less like well i think it confuses it confuses uh, like there is so like the the world is very busy like you cannot turn around without like having like trucks rolling through or 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 like a bunch of enemies roll up on you but i i think the game fundamentally like confuses like uh 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 like just yeah like i guess what you're saying like wave like just stuff on the screen accidentally colliding is not what i look for from those games like it's it's just it's just more as opposed to interesting and i never i just i never found the conflicts of systems to actually result in surprising like occasionally it did but just not like not enough to the to the point that it uh i don't know it's just not what i expected from not what i want from a far cry game and i don't know i was just i was bitterly sort of disappointed like i remember the first Five or six hours. I remember even on this, these podcasts saying like, "Well, I'm still kind of having fun with it," but I think I was <laughs> clinging to a version of Far Cry that I kept th- thinking was going to show up. And as I got further, I kept realizing, "Oh, the version that I want of this game just isn't here." Yeah, because um, I hear lots. I you know I've seen lots of people saying like they really like the game and they like the mechanics and like more power to you. I guess yeah. I, the, the the if this is the where Far Cry is going, then maybe it's just okay. Like this series is just not in the direction that I was hoping for mm. totally totally um there's anything else here that, that i've played or that that y'all have have gotten into I finished, I finished making a game you did you want to talk about that a little bit <laughs> yeah i mean it's just a tiny little thing but i was really pleased to uh sort of finish up uh dora the lesbian frog the epic game uh where you make a choice between kissing your girlfriend who's an axolotl and listening to a shitty bird in a fedora who hangs out in a parking lot and, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I have, like, sort of a happy ending and a sad ending. And uh, that's basically what we did on stream yesterday. I, I sort of finished all the code for the game uh, off stream because that could be probably kind of boring to watch. Uh, and we just sort of made ridiculous art uh, for the game, uh, myself in the stream. I mean, it's me doing it, but, like, asking the stream for input. Yeah. Really totally. rad. Uh, really, really nice. Lots of great suggestions. And also, if I did have a code question, people were really good and awesome about uh, helping me out for that. So, yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to just put it on, like, my itch.io page or my itch.io page. I should just say itch.io. It's it's fine. I, I'll probably put it on my page uh, where I have a few other little tiny games. Uh, I, I don't make big things. I make tiny, 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 tiny little, like, 30-second things. Uh, and occasionally, like, a thing I've been working on for a while, a 10-minute thing, which is, like, wow, you know, for me. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, really, really fun. Uh, Pico 8 is really rad, and I'd like to play with it some more. 
Totally. Um, all right, I think it's going to do it for us this week. Do you all want to go and talk about some waypoints? Uh, unfortunately, I didn't have time to go through all the email and, and pull stuff out, and I don't want to do the thing where I'm just, like, scrambling through and grabbing questions I didn't pre-screen. So uh, let's talk about, about what, what you're doing this weekend. Any, any, any good plans? Any games you're going to go play? Anything you want to recommend to somebody else? Uh, I've been watching a show that I don't know if I like it, but I can't stop watching it. Ooh. <laughs> and that's Billions. It? I wrote oh, a wrote tiny little, yeah. yeah, I did a tiny little, uh, open thread this week about it. Uh, it's a show where like everybody's such a piece of shit. Like they really are. I, it, the premise of the show really, really, really basically, uh, and it's changed a bit over the seasons, but the, the general premise is it's sort of about this, uh, AG who is going after this ridiculous billionaire who made his money in an unscrupulous way. Of course, uh, sort of betting against uh, something to do with 9-11, basically. Uh, and he's rich, and he has his firm, and they do horrible things. And the AG dude, which is uh, Paul Giamatti, probably at his finest uh, in Chinless. Uh, it's beautiful. I love that man so much. Uh, <laughs> he's such a great actor. I just, oh, just love him. Um, <laughs> and and everybody's kind of an asshole in this world, right? And and I'm not always entirely sure if the show, uh, I, I think the show right. is meant to be very satirical. Uh, but there are times on this show where it is just delighting and showing sort of conspicuous consumption and, and the you know, the lifestyles of the rich and famous uh, in a way that I'm like, I'm not sure if you're entirely on board with critiquing this world, Billions, right. but uh, <laughs> I can't stop watching. I mean, amazing performances, amazing writing, amazing, beautifully crafted show. So right, right. I cannot stop watching it. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I will recommend a book and a novella that I just read. Uh, disclosure, it's written by someone who I was once in an IRC channel with for a while. Like, we're not particularly tight or anything, uh, but... But I mean, we, you know, we're internet friends at this point. We're, we're Twitter mutuals. Uh, it's by, by Brooke Bolander, uh, who wrote a book called The Only Harmless Great Thing, um, which is a kind of short novella, 90 pages. You'll blow right through it. I blew through it on a subway ride back from Brooklyn the other day. Um, that is a, uh, I guess it's sort of like an alternate history, like modern alternate history story that comes from three or four different perspectives. Um, I guess it's from, from three different perspectives. It is a woman who's a scientist whose goal is to prevent people from going to this, this area that has a bunch of radioactive material buried under the ground. Uh, it is from the perspective of a woman who used to um, use or work with elephants alongside elephants to work with radium. Um, uh, and uh, this is kind of radium girls are a real thing during the the uh, World War II. Um, they're kind of factory workers who who got radiation poisoning from painting um, stuff with with radium with you know, oh, wow. you know uh, uh, atomic energy that that gave them cancer uh, and it imagines them working alongside these elephants and the third perspective is from these elephants uh, who have this whole culture who have this whole kind of tribal society and um, kind of a, a history of storytelling uh, and a a kind of troubled history with humans um, and and one of them is topsy the the elephant that was put to death uh, on Coney Island with electric current um, people often think that it's the Edison it was like Edison killed this elephant to prove that the like that that uh, whatever alternating current was better than the other type of current that I always forget. That's not actually what happened. Um, but in this this kind of dark kind of alternative alternative history thing, it it, uh, it ends up being this really interesting story about um, or, or like thematically about the place of women and the the place of storyte 
storytelling um, and the place of technology in, in history and culture. Uh, short little read again. It's called The Only Harmless Great Thing. Really, really good. Patrick, how about you? Wow. Uh, I'm going to recommend a podcast uh, that I think you might have started listening to after I recommended it to you called mm-hmm. Citations Needed. Yep. Um, which uh, after uh, 2016, uh, like, you know, I, I like a lot of people listen to a lot of political podcasts, but I chose to also take that moment to like try and start reexamining sort of my own politics and like looking at like, you know, what I with Bernie Sanders and Clinton and like feeling myself like drifting leftward, but not necessarily like knowing where to land and like looking for places to sort of like articulate like core problems with, uh, you know, sort of like where things had fallen, like center right with like Obama and Clinton and like that sort of like older, more centrist sort of uh, liberal politics. And like one of the places that people pointed me towards was like, oh, like if you want something that's like unabashedly like left, like listen to Chapo Trap House. Um, and I tried for like a month and a half. And mm-hmm. one, I didn't find them particularly funny. Two, and this is more important, I wasn't getting out of that podcast what I was looking for, which was like a deep examination and articulation of what is wrong with certain positions on the left that makes them a problem and why we should be going in a different direction. Right. A lot of that podcast assumes knowledge, like assumes you come into it going that you know why those those positions are wrong or have problems. And also like just – Yo, we all self-identify, self-identify as socialists here. Like, why wouldn't you? And I'm like, oh, well, like, okay. Like, sorry, I grew up in the age of Obama. And, like, <laughs> I don't necessarily consider myself a centrist, but have certain centrist positions by virtue of the politics I grew up in. I want to learn and, like, move in a different direction. But I also need people to explain, like, why. Like, what's like the bring journey you on there? Board, right. <laughs> yeah, I wanted the explanation. I wanted the pitch. And uh, Citations Needed was some – I think after mentioning something like this somewhere else, Someone said, hey, you should try listening to that podcast. And it is 100% like what I have been looking for. It is two really smart people talking about – I mean it's not that they don't dunk on the right and do their own shit talking about Trump. And and like it's not like it's ignoring the problems that of like uh, power on the right that is like predominant in our society right now. But it's also realizing, hey, when the left eventually comes to power again because by virtue of just – the pendulum will swing at some point. Like, what do you do with that? And how do we transform the left in the meantime? And they both talk about that and explain, like, like the obsession with Israel, like the obsession with, like, the different parts of, like, uh, uh, centrist politics. Like, and they articulate, bring people on, talk through those discussions in a way that was like, oh, aha. Yeah. Like, these are the things that, like, a lot of my friends on Twitter that are, like, more publicly left than I am. And I want to move in that direction, but I didn't. No one was sitting there explaining to me, like, how they got there or how you can get there. And this podcast, like, it doesn't talk down to you, but it talks and articulates all that stuff. And so I really cannot recommend it enough because I found it to be like, like, yes, I love listening to a podcast that take a dump on Trump. Like, I need that release. But, like, (laughs) like, that's that's not enough, right? Like, it's not enough, especially when things eventually go back to power in, in a direction that that we're looking for. Like when that happens, what do you do with it? And like, I found citations needed to be like absolutely vital in me understanding like where my own politics are moving going forward. Totally. And, like the kind of candidates I want to support and the kinds of movements I want to get behind. Yeah. Like, like three recent episodes, just as like a quick pitch on that. Like uh, there's one that is a kind of deep dive into the, the center and right wing meme around 
uh, PC colleges, politically correct college campuses. That's like, here's, here's where this emerges from. Here is why this entire like line of rhetoric is completely flawed. Here's like what the actual statistics are on this stuff. Really great episode. And there's one that's, that's about the kind of reasonable Republican trope, the sort of, which <laughs> oh, is a great yeah. episode, which is like, you know, you, you hear lots of people in the Democratic Party who, conceive of a a the sort of republican or, or not even just from right like yeah, look at right, right now like the, right, basically right. the never trump crowd is like right. the, the resistance has hashtag resistance has embraced is the david froms the bill crystals of the world who are still like, oh. shitty who are like still yeah. incredibly but they talk nice they talk they, right. they're able to to do yeah talk the rhetoric that pleases the left while also still pushing shitty Totally uh, right. Regressive policies, uh, and then and then one of my most one of my favorite ones as someone who works in the in the realm of media is a uh, an episode that's like what the hell is wrong with MSNBC? That is like <laughs> you know MSNBC is ostensibly to use to use your word, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the, <laughs> Thank you. the you're welcome. The far the the closest we have to a mainstream left media outlet, uh, but major issues like climate change and worker strikes are not brought up uh, on on that network in in anywhere near the amount of scale that issues about the Russia investigation are or that or that other similar kind of like marquee attention grabbing uh, issues are uh, and and they do a really great deep dive on the kind of history there the history of MSNBC but then also bring on a former MSNBC uh, uh, contributor producer I believe yeah someone in the product in a production capacity of some sort who you know is voice changed and everything because they're still working in media and it's mm. like here's how we got there like here's how we went from I didn't go from anything but like here's how we here's how we went from like a, a kind of middle of the road CNN competitor with a weird tech focus to having a little bit of uh, an oppositional position, you know, with with the rise of at the time Keith Olbermann, and you know, in, in opposition to uh, then President uh, Bush, and then Bush too, and then uh, kind of how that has now changed again in in the air in the era of the Rachel Maddows and, and the Chris Hayes, who like you know, to some degree, I, I will always believe Chris Hayes feels like he's being held hostage, but won't give up <laughs> the platform because the platform <laughs> is powerful, he, he, and is powerful, and he's made that decision. Um, but like, y'all, there's so much just like Russia, 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 and it's just it's brutal sometimes when there are so many other important stories. And that was a really great podcast to help for even me work through some of those feelings and and you know, some good discussion about what the cause of that is. To, to debate over why why they end up that way, right. you know. Um, so yeah, great great job all around. I also really want to watch Billions, Daniel. I really want to <laughs> add it to my list of 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 good TV. All right, well, I'm gonna have good. to listen to these this podcast now as well. You should. I just, I it's just legit good. To, uh, I'm not gonna go on about it. I'm just saying I, I just did Slow Burn last weekend. So. Oh, did you like it? Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Oh awesome. my god, especially it's the so bit good. about like. Just the parallels between oh disaffected white man voters back then oh, yeah. and, oh, yeah. and now it was like oh fuck <laughs> all that stuff is so good yeah uh, all of the God, who who was I just talking to about this I forget what forget who but the like the milkshake ducking of yes. of did we just have this conversation on a podcast we must have uh, no I don't think oh, we maybe did. not of the lawyer of the the senator who was like the the Democratic Southerner who was like the the one of like the big hotshots the, the the kind of the person where we got the trope of uh now i'm just a down i'm just a, a, yep. a country lawyer like country that guy lawyer. is yep. a guy from the watergate uh, era who who was part of that kind of prosecution team uh and the kind of 
an early milkshake duck because he absolutely was this heralded hero who also was like super pro segregation. Oh yeah, total uh, and, segregation. And like again, yeah. those uh, those parallels um, oh, where yeah. like even that dude you had you had left leaning publications being like, well, you know his his history with segregation isn't the best it could be, but in a time like this, we have to make concessions and blah blah blah. And it's like oh. Always making those concessions. Uh, yeah, slow burn is really good. Yeah, we can't oh. we can't just turn this into what other podcasts are we listening to. But, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I really want to listen to Crime Town really bad. That's that's the next one I want to listen oh, it's to. It's about my hometown. Anyway, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. So I'm excited to listen to it. All right, I'm going to stop just talking podcasts. You can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Danielle? At Danielle R I. How about you, Patrick? You can find me at Patrick Lupick. As always, you can send questions to gamingatvice.com. For Monday, I promise I will look through that bucket and try to find some good questions that we've missed over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and also, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice. You can watch the Monster Prom uh, Let's Play playthrough stream that we did over at twitch.tv slash waypoint. Uh, and it'll probably be up on YouTube in the next couple of days over at youtube.com slash waypointvice. Thanks, as always, to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You of the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. Oh, also, um, one more thing really quick. Uh, I wanted to announce that the Waypoint 101 game for May is going to be Mad Max, the Avalanche game that came out a few years ago that I've heard mixed things up and down about, but that I'm really curious about. It's from the Just Cause 2 team, Avalanche's Just Cause 2 team. Uh, the Just Cause 3 team is a different team than the Just Cause 2 team, and, and the 2 team went on to make this game along with some other folks. Apparently, Corey Balrog also touched this game in some way. Um, I, I've heard mixed things. Like I said, um, highs and lows. It was just uh, available for PS Plus users, and I mentioned on a tweet that people should grab that if they had the chance to. I think it's also part of Xbox Game Pass, and I think it's like 20 bucks on Steam. So it's available. It's out there. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm very curious. I think a lot of the Waypoint 101 games that we do are we do our best to find 7 out of 10 games uh, because we think they're interesting, and this seems like it's one of those. So uh, again, we'll see how that all shakes out, but I'm really excited to, to check it out because I'm really curious what that team is up to and because it's a game that I never played and uh, I've heard I've heard I've heard some things about the ending. I don't think we'll necessarily get there. As always, the goal is to put about 10 hours into the game at least. And if you want to put more in, put more in. Um, but we'll make sure that there is a thread up on the uh, on the forms. Uh, and then you can put questions there. You, again, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. All right. Uh, and, uh, and what do we say to them, Danielle? Be good and be good at it. Peace. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.